You're listening to the weekly podcast with Pastor Steve McCoy from 360 Church in Sarasota, Florida. We hope this message inspires you to press beyond ordinary. On silence. And uh, so far, uh, we are off to a a running, a loud start. That sounds like an oxymoron, but uh, I think that as the deeper we get into this, the more practical these messages are. Last week, as you know, we talked about anxiety and I heard throughout the week that uh, the that so many of our groups and their discussion just had some incredible uh, discussions as we did yesterday in our group, because I think it hits everybody when we talk about the power of God and able to silence that, that that anxiety and that worry in our lives. Today, I think we talk about another topic that is equally as universal to each of us. It is a challenging uh, topic. It's a challenging exercise. It's a challenging discipline in our in our uh, in our spiritual lives and even in our social lives. And it's the power to shut up. And I know that sounds a little crass. (laughs) You know, the Bible is so, um, so very clear about speaking up and when we should say things and, you know, how we're talking about the gospel and how can people hear unless we have someone that will speak up and will share the gospel. And so there are plenty of times where we are asked to speak, even in relationships and disciple making relationships. One of our key verses is. Ephesians 4.15, speak the truth in love. So we're, we're solid on saying, hey, there are times where we, we're speaking and there are times when we're not. Solomon said, hey, there's a time to speak and there's a time to be silent. So today I'm walking a fine line because I don't want to give any of us an excuse to say, well, I'm not going to say anything when that should be a time where we do say something. There are times when in your life when you say, okay, This is a time when we're going to be silent and it is difficult. And there's always something behind the scenes that there is a there that inwardly, if we're not silent, sometimes that we can really be corrupted. We can be contaminated. We can be uh, corroded by by the things that are happening, the things that we say, sometimes the things that we don't say. So I think that this is a, a very critical and practical uh, a topic today, conversation, regardless of how many years you've been a Christian, regardless if you're not a Christian yet and you're searching, regardless if you're 13 years old or you're 83 years old, because we are all in conversations with each other and other people every day of our lives. So we begin by looking at some of the principles as we frame this up. Proverbs chapter 17 says this, starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam. So shut up, drop the matter. It's not worth it before a a dispute breaks out. Now we're going to see three directions of silence, three times, three, three areas where it's like, okay, this is not a good time to speak. The first area is obviously external. When there is a person that is just a, a quarreler. Now, there, I, I love a good debate. I love to say, hey, let's really uh, tackle this. But a quarrel is different than a good debate. I don't know if you know that. A quarrel is like, yes, I do. No, you don't. Yes, I do. No, you don't. Yes, I do. No, it's worthless, right? There are times, I think, with other people that, that it is best to say, you know what? 
this is going to be like a, a, a dam that just breaks loose and it's going to end worse. For example, in Proverbs 17, 28, even a fool is thought wise if he keeps silent and discerning if he holds his tongue. And finally, in Proverbs 21, 23, he who guards his mouth and his tongue, watch this, keeps himself from calamity. So what we're talking about today is calamity, again, on three angles and three different dimensions. So when we're talking to others, what are some cases where we say, you know what, this is probably not the right time. First of all, if it's just going to go back and forth, if there's certain topics that are, you know, they're going to be like, hey, maybe that's a political topic, even some theological topics. I've been in too many circles with other Christians, other Christ followers, where both people are sincere, but they have tightly held to doctrines or corners of theology that are not main theology. We're not, we're not arguing whether Christ came back from the dead. We're arguing, you know, the, is it a five-point Calvinism or a 4.5 Calvinism or a one-point Calvinism or a no-point Calvinism? And just goes on and on and on and on. And at the end of three and a half hours, you've completely wasted, well, about three and a half hours. There are some times that in a situation, if a person is so emotionally irrational. It's a time to like, hey, you know what? This is not the time to discuss. This is going to be like the breaching of a dam. And when you get to that point, the discipline of stopping because we're drawn into these conversations, aren't we? When someone's irrational and they're emotional and then they say something that's untrue or say something that's hurtful, there's everything in us that we're like, yeah, but you know what? I don't even like the color of your car and your hair looks stupid. Or, you know, I mean, there's, there's something in our flesh that just wants to come back. And God says, it's going to be a calamity. This is, it's too irrational. If you're a married couple, you know this full well, right? You know that there are times when you look back, you should have zipped it, Right. It has gone too far. We're not making, in other words, we're not advancing the ball because now things are so emotional and so illogical and so irrational that we're just throwing, we're picking up sand and gravel and just throwing it at each other's eyes. The Bible would say, just stop. It's not the right time. This is the time to be silent. This is not to try to, to teach another person. So I, I, I can't encourage you enough that in these moments, you, listen carefully, might not have the power to be silent. These are the moments where our flesh can overcome our spirit. And those are the moments in the midst of an argument, in the midst of irrational behavior, in the midst of a quarrel, even a theological quarrel, or even a political quarrel, or whatever that quarrel, these are the moments that inwardly you say, God, I'm calling on you for the power of silence. Because you can't do it yourself. I've proven it too many years. I've proven those moments where I regret it. Like, oh, because now what happens in those moments, if you don't ask God for the power of silence, you will regret everything that comes after that because you yourself will become emotionally irrational and say things that you wish you could take back, but there's some things you just can't. 
Even when you say, I'm sorry, someone will say something that is so painful. You know, when you get up to that level, like, well, your mother, you have crossed the line, right? That is the, that's the pin of the grenade that just came out. You remember Joseph of the Old Testament. He had brothers and he, there was meetings and meetings and he sent them back home to, to bring their father, Jacob. If you don't know the story, this is the principle that he said. Joseph sent his brothers away, and as they were leaving, he said to them, don't quarrel along the way. Now, when you look at the story of Joseph, if you, if you know the Old Testament, the Old Testament is so often like a, a, a book of pictures. Joseph is often seen as a picture of Christ. He was put in the ground, then he was released in liberty. Like Christ was put in the ground, he was buried. He was sold for 30 pieces of silver as Christ was sold. And so there are many, and sold by his own brothers as Christ was sold by his own brothers. So many pictures of Joseph that looks at Jesus. And it's as if Jesus is standing to us as brothers and sisters in Christ on the way from here to glory, on the way from here to heaven. And he would say, Stop quarreling amongst yourselves because there's a mission to be accomplished and you're going to waste it if you don't call on me for the power of silence when it's really necessary. Matthew chapter 12, verse 36. There's a carelessness that comes with it, but I tell you, every careless word that people speak, they shall give an account for it in the day of judgment. For by your words, you will be acquitted. And by your words, you will be condemned. What does that mean? Is Jesus talking about for Christ followers, eternity or not eternity with God or without God? He's not. He's saying that even as Christ follows, we will stand before him and he will say those were all those careless moments. We wasted ground. We should have been advancing towards accomplishing what God wanted. And now you just fussing, 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 fussing. You know, I'm a, I'm a graduate of a, a, a theological seminary. And, and sometimes, to be honest with you, those circles become ivory towers where we just go around and around and around and around on these theological issues. Are you ready? Meanwhile, while a broken world lives without Christ, we're trying to figure out how many angels dance on the, the head of a pen. Theologically, it's just not worth it. That's the first angle, how we externally communicate. But here's a second one that's obviously out out of bounds. The second time that we should be silent is when we talk to others about others. What's it called? How did you know that so well? (laughs) Proverbs chapter 26. And, you know, I don't know about you, but. Let's just be honest. Sometimes, as Christ followers, we're masters of sin without it feeling like sin. Do you know what I mean? Let's pray for Bob because Bob is fill in the blank. Okay, we really wanted to talk about Bob. And there's a reason for that. There's a reason, if we're, if we're really honest, there's a reason why gossip feels a sense of false solidarity. It's if if I say, you know, Michael, 
I don't know if you know about, but you know, it feels as if all of a sudden we're tight, but it's a false tightness. It's not a tightness that's holy. It's not an allegiance. It's not a solidarity that's allegiance. But it feels good to have that kind of, I think we're tight because I, I was able to share something with you about somebody that somebody else didn't know. You know that feeling. The Bible says it this way in Proverbs 26, 22. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. Like, you know, you go to a buffet and like, ooh, those stuffed mushrooms, they look so good. And like you know, there, there's butter and there's a little butter coming down. You know, it's like, ah. The words of a gossip are like chores muscles. They go down to a man's inmost parts. What if it was like, oh, oh, that felt so awful. Well, we probably wouldn't do it. The only reason we do it is it feels good. It feels like, and then everything goes from that. It's a calamity. Remember, without wood, a fire goes out. Without a gossip, a quarrel dies down. So I was reading this, this uh, incident with uh, Herbert Hoover when he was a president. And uh, there was this memo that went out, and it was about internal security. So it was kind of a top-secret document. And on the bottom, somebody else got the memo. And on the bottom, President Hoover wrote the words, Watch the borders! Exclamation point H. For, you know, Herbert Hoover. Watch the borders. This memo got out and literally phones were ringing all over the Capitol building. Was it the was it the Canadian border? Was it the Mexican border? The U.S.-Mexican border? Was it the Pacific coast? Was it was it the East Coast? And things began to and someone said, maybe we should just ask him. Hey, which border are we talking about? But nobody wanted to because they didn't want to step up to the plate and do the right thing, and they didn't want to come across as incompetent. So everything went nuts until someone close to the president saw what was happening because it was like gossip. It was like wildfire that was going through the, you know, the whole capital, the whole government. Watch the borders. Somebody's coming across the borders. Well, what they didn't realize that this guy who was close to Hoover, that he was fastidious. He was picky, particular, a perfectionist. When you type the paper and someone had had too narrow of a margin when they typed the paper and he was like, watch the borders of the paper. <laughs> Come on, it's the telephone game, right? So not only would, would God say, look, those are times to be silent, but because... What can happen because of gossip in the future? Those are times to be silent. Not because the act is just unholy, but what can breach the dam that can breach. So let's let's back it up. We're going, we're saying, hey, it's not good to just quarrel all the time because there's a lost world waiting to hear from us, right? It's the consequence of that. It's not good to gossip, not because of the actual act, which is unholy. But also what can happen for that, that the story just gets whacked out of, of perspective. But let me, let's talk about the third and the most difficult one. You see, we've, we said, hey, what is the communication to another person? Don't get into quarreling, right? And certainly don't talk to someone else about someone else, right? But there is a far more dangerous line of communication 
And that line of communication is in your own head. It's in your own head. So I have, I have discovered the secret of peaceful traveling. Peaceful traveling. We travel a lot, right, Courtney? There's a, and it's noisy. The airport is noisy. The plane is noisy. The sound of the thing is noisy. The, the, the speakers are louder than a rock concert. Okay, we're going to go into the uh, weather in Atlanta. I don't care what the weather of Atlanta is, but it's so loud, especially right on the speaker. So here it is. Noise cancellation headphones. It changed my travel completely. Because it goes like this. Well, the weather in the lim- I'm out. Now, the danger is if, if the plane goes down, I'll be the last to know. Yeah. Okay. I wonder why these oxygen masks are dropping. I don't know, but I'm really enjoying this Beethoven Sonata. It's really just gorgeous. There are some times where we can listen carefully. Block out the noise. But even with my cancellation headphones, it blocks out the external, but it doesn't block out the internal. Sometimes that is the most difficult. Watch this. Psalm 4, verse 4. In your anger, do not sin. What do you mean by that? Well, when you're on your beds, when you're all alone, search your hearts. Here it is. And be silent. I have had some of the best scalpel, hacksaw deliveries in my life against another person at three in the morning when I'm all alone. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. I mean, you can envision. You're putting yourself right there in the whole picture. I can't hear another thing. And why? I can't believe it. But it's all happening here. <laughs> And then you see the the person the next day. Hey, Steve, how's it going? They're happy. How dare they be happy when you're like, they don't even know it. God would say you're corrupting your inside. You're you're diminishing. You're subtracting all your peace because you're laying on your bed and you got that film. And like gossip gets out of control. Oh, my goodness. I mean, you can take a person from just the littlest offense to something that is just gigantic, right? How come so many of you are identifying with this? Proverbs 16.32, better a patient man than a warrior, a man who controls his temper than one who takes a city. And I will say to you that it is more difficult to control that inner voice. Proverbs 17 27, a man of knowledge uses words with restraint inside his head, and a man of understanding is even-tempered in his head. It must start internally, because we are told in the Scripture that what happens on the inside will come out. We think we can hide it. The people can tell from your demeanor. Something's wrong. My wife can sniff it 1,400 miles away. Literally, it's crazy. I'm sitting on the couch. I'm not even looking at her. Last night, it happened last night. I'm sitting on the couch. I'm troubled by an email. She's not even looking at me. She's looking. She's just like this. What's wrong? I'm like, that is weird. How do you know that? Because she can sense that 
that demeanor that something's going on on the inside and and it comes out. Watch Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. Out of the overflow of the heart, good or bad, negative or positive, out of the, the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. It starts on the inside. It comes out on the outside. First on the inside, second on the outside. If we're going to be silent, we must start on the inside. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man brings out the good things stored up in him. The evil man brings out the evil things out of him that is stored up in him. Watch this now. God is a master of the inside. God is a master of the inside. He's the one that knows what makes us tick and what ticks us off. He's the one that knows what gets us anger, anger, and he can read and know and hear every thought. I know that's crazy, but if a God can create all the galaxies around, trust me, he knows our whispers and the whispers in our mind. Those are the moments in the, at 3 a.m. in the morning, that relationship in your family, that relationship at work, that relationship in your neighborhood, that just wants to corrode your heart, wants to corrode your mind. It wants to rob your joy. It wants to rob your peace. And the enemy will just take that and gnaw at it and gnaw at it and gnaw at it and gnaw at it and throw a few lies and a few exaggerations and you're it just becomes to, to wilt your heart, your joy, your spirit. And those are the moments to pray to the God who is the master of our inside and say, God, please, I'm asking for you to, to silence the power of this inner voice. Psalm 39, verse 1. I said, I will guard my ways so that I will not sin with my tongue. Now, it's interesting in the, in the Bible how how real and practical it is. I was reading in the, one of the little letters of John. There's you know, three letters near the end of the Bible. And, uh, you know, the worst time, to, the worst way to communicate, as we know, is through email or text or right. And it just goes thing. You just, there's no body language. There's no emotion. It's just like, and, and you can misinterpret it. And, and even back then, uh, hundreds and hundreds of years ago, John writes in this little letter, oh, I've got a lot more to tell you, but I don't want to use ink and paper. Think about that. Even back then, he understood like, hey, if we're going to be brothers and sisters, if we're going to be man and wife, if we're going to be good neighbors, whatever that is, hey, we're going we're gonna to talk about this even tempered, no quarrels, in a loving way, face to face. If you're a texter, because uh, I, I, you know, I like to be honest with you guys. Well, somewhat honest. I, I'd like to be honest. Man, I can craft the most scapling email. And someone pointed that out. Steve, that is not a good mark for you. That is not a good. And man, I can, you know, I get out the thesaurus, you know. And make sure we're using the right, you know, kick in the kneecap word, right? You, I mean, and then there's no response. You just hit the send button. And then about eight seconds after you hit the send button, you know what happens like, I should have sent that. 
There is so much at stake. Your heart, your joy, the reputation of Christ, the work of the kingdom of God. And no one is exempt. In Paul, he was writing from prison in Philippians chapter 4. And it's so interesting because sometimes, I, this is why I love the Bible. It's so real. It's so practical. It's not covering up. It's not photoshopping the blemishes of people. And Paul writes from prison, he says, I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntyche, two people, uh, two, two uh, uh, women, to agree with each other in the Lord. That's the secret. We, I bet you if I said, here are my political stance, there'd be disagreements all over the room. If I said, here's my economical stance, different. Here are my theological, here's all my theological points. There'd be people in the room like, well, I don't like that one, I don't like that one, blah, blah, blah. And we could cause a ruckus just in, in just minutes. Let's give it a try. So, no. <laughs> but we have a deeper purpose. And it breaks my heart. This year I celebrated 40 years in the ministry. And at the end of my track, whenever that's going to be, when someone asks, what was your greatest disappointment in all those years of ministry? As you're planting a church, as you're traveling the world, what are your greatest points of disappointment? Your greatest point, the single greatest point of disappointment for me is that for Christians who are saved by grace, forgiven, who experience mercy every day, that somehow we can't remain silent when it comes to disagreements and work things out. Here it is, in the Lord. Not in the human flesh. We're going to disagree about things. But in the Lord. Why? Because there's a dying world waiting to hear a message from a loving people. That's what it's about. It's not whether we agree with each other. Come on. We're just not going to. And so watch. He says, I plead. Listen to his language. I plead. Come on, guys. Eodia, syndicate. I, I plead with you to agree in the, with each other. In the, and I ask you. Loyal yoke fellow to help these women who have contended by my side for the cause of the gospel who are now contending with each other. Along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers. And don't forget, it's the book of life. It's eternity whose names are in the book of life. And there's a whole world of people who are not. You see how important it is? I was reading about this crazy thing in history. I love crazy moments in history, right? 1788, Austria was at war against Turkey. And the Turkish army was approaching the Austrian army. And the, the battle was going to take place in what is now current-day Romania. And as they came, there's they camped for the night. And the Austrian army sent out some scouts and they came across these scouts came across some gypsies who were selling schnapps which is if you don't know uh where schnapps is we're going to be serving it in our uh, lobby this afternoon it's gonna, yeah. next service will be a lot more happy um by the way it's an alcoholic uh, you know it's a uh, liquor whatever i don't i just someone told me that that's how i know and they started drinking this, this, the, this schnapps. 
And some of their other soldiers came along and said, hey, can we get some too? And they said, no. And they kind of started goofing around and they built this kind of makeshift fort. And they were just like, you know, playing around. But somebody fired a shot. Now the, the Turks were asleep. And these guys began to fight with one another. And as you read the story, one thing unravels against the next. The camp back, you know, where they had sent the, the scouts from, they started hearing shots. And they, they thought it was the Turks. And the, the Austrian army had different languages, one of them from different countries, and one of them was German. And when they said, Halton, they thought they were saying Allah, literally. And they were convinced that it was the Turks coming in. When the Turks arrived the next day, are you ready for this? There were dead and wounded Austrians uh, from the, Austri the Austrian army to the tune of 10,000. 10,000. And they hadn't really even fired a bullet at their real enemy. Breaking news. We're not the enemy. We have an outside enemy who hates the work of God. It's just not worth it. It's just not worth it. There's a time to speak, and there's a time to be silent. Let me pray with you. Father, how many crazy wars have we started in marriages, in neighborhoods, in churches, between denominations, between ministries, between genders, between age, between generations. How many senseless, calamitous wars, reckless words have been used as bullets. Thank you for reminding us, God, today of what's truly at stake. A world that waits for a message of unconditional love. Our, our hearts, which can easily be so contaminated and corroded by negativity. When we're told to think about things that are excellent and praiseworthy. Father, right in this room, or maybe there's those that are watching at home right now, or listening in the car. And they are under brutal attack, or maybe they're delivering brutal attack. And these words seem so easy just to be silent, but we recognize, Father, how truly weak we are in our flesh. So these are the moments, God, we, we turn to you, the God, the Lord, the master of our inside. We turn to you, God, and say, God, I'm asking for the power of silence. Oh, my emotions want to say something. My mind must to just let it, just let it rip. My flesh just wants to cut and fire bullets. But pray, God, for the Holy Spirit. 
pray for marriages right now that are under attack. For them to realize that each other are not the enemy, but there's an enemy that hates marriage, that hates unity. There are churches that are under attack because they've seen each other in disagreements. People within those churches, the Euodias and the Syntyches, and within a within a, a group, a church, a ministry, and they've seen each other as the enemy is, have missed the reality that we're not enemies. Father, we know that you love unity, but we also know, God, it doesn't come easy. And it will never come to a people that are not on their knees asking for your power. You've said it so clearly, Jesus, in, in John 15, apart from you, we can do nothing. And apart from you, God, we can't be silent. Apart from you, we cannot corral, control our thoughts. And so we bring our thoughts captive. Even in this moment, even in this moment, God, you can heal. Even in this moment, you can capture our negative thoughts and and take them away. I pray for that miracle right now for those who are embattled, embroiled, if not in an external fire, an internal one. Father, we pray, God, for those who are searching for you even now. Again, whether they're sitting in this room or sitting at home, sitting in a car, sitting in a cubicle, wherever that might be. And recognize, God, that you have been drawing us all our lives. We just sometimes, oftentimes miss it. We're reminded today, God, that left to ourselves, we would be completely lost. We'd have no understanding of you we'd have no relationship with you but even in our own brokenness external and internal you loved us and you demonstrated that love for us god not in just a conceptual way or just not in a a verbal way of sending a verbal message that would make us feel better you sent your own boy your own son jesus to die for us, to absorb mysteriously, miraculously, to absorb the sins of the world, which includes ours personally. So we pray, God, together right now, as Christ followers, we unite for those who are looking for you. And if you're looking for God and searching for him, trying to figure it all out, we're praying for you. Because we've all been there at that intersection. It can be bewildering. It can be frustrating. But God cuts through all of that clutter and chaos with a very simple message. I love you. And I've loved you so much that I've given my own son, my only one son for you as the perfect lamb of God to lay himself on a cross to take all your sins away. That if you will come and transfer your dependence away from religion, away from trying to be good enough to win God's favor, away from comparison that you're better than other people or really evil people, take all of that away, whatever you're depending on, because everyone's depending on something and depend on Christ 
alone. To put all your faith, all of your allegiance onto Christ and nothing else. I wonder if God is making that clear to you, even in this moment. What God asks us to do is to turn our lives. To stop leading, stop driving, stop your own ambitions. To be willing to exchange your old life, your old patterns, your, old, your, your current patterns even. And say, God, I'm unable to win your favor. So I turn my life around. I turn my, I, I make a U-turn here. And I don't come a little bit, God. I come 100% today towards you. Is that your prayer? Are you desperate for God? Because see, if you're desperate for God, nobody has to talk you into anything. Are you desperate for God? You want God in your life so bad. Is that you? Why not in this moment between you and God in your own raw language? Completely transfer your trust to Jesus Christ, the perfect Lamb of God. And say to him, I trust in nothing else and no one else. I put all my faith in Christ alone. I want to be a child of God. Is that your prayer? I want to be a child of God. I want to know God. I want to have the assurance that everything is okay between me and God. And trust in Christ now. Turn your life in. Transfer your old for his new. Ask him to ignite new life in you. Give him your allegiance that you'll follow him no matter what. So grateful, God, for this time. We need it as human beings to gather together, to come around your word, to be challenged, to know how much we need each other and, and how tough it is, to be honest, to be with each other at times. We need you, God. We need you, God, for your purposes, for your glory, for your joy in us. We are people who have been forgiven. Oh, God, help us to live that life, to imitate a God of love. We pray it in the name of our perfect Lamb, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for joining us. And special thanks for those of you who give generously to make this ministry possible. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can also subscribe or share it with your friends. For more information about 360 Church, visit us at the360church.com.